Hi, and welcome to Dope Shit My Therapist Says, a therapeutic wellness and lifestyle podcast providing relatable conversations and encourage our listeners to strive for self-growth, self-reflection, and self-love. We are two therapists who just want to keep it real. We provide a safe and honest space for those who need an extra dose of connection with a no-bullshit filter. We're your hosts, Ryan Gaddy and Lauren Factor, and we welcome you to our space. We're so happy to have you here. Now let's get to it. Hello, everyone. For our final episode of season four, we're joined by Nicholas Jordan Moore, an acclaimed author, poet, and storyteller. His intention is to teach people the power of vulnerability, self-love, self-reflection, and forgiveness. Hailing from the vibrant tapestry of Texas, his literary journey is a testament to the enduring power of self-discovery. Our conversation with Nick covers the ins and outs of men's mental health and the importance of connecting to your vulnerability. Thank you for tuning in this season, and we hope you join us for season five coming up soon. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at DopeSHTTherapyPod. Hi, Nick. Thank you so much for being on our show today. How's it going? It's going fantastic. Thank you all so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. We're glad to have you on. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about men's mental health, which is very exciting for us since we are two women who have not really had the chance to talk about this topic yet. So um, to kick things off, just tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from and what you do. Sure. So I grew up in Texas. I am a poet and an author. I just published my book in September, Who Am I? Vulnerability Equals Powerability. And my purpose for writing my book, and I believe my life mission, is to help people embrace more vulnerability in their lives and try to help them feel more comfortable in their own skin. I believe that the more open and honest we are about the really difficult things is the way we can truly connect more and grow and heal because we're a lot more alike when we start taking off all the mask and let the messy human be seen. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, What led you to become an author? Was that something that you were always hoping to do, felt the calling to do, or did your kind of life path take you into this direction? Thanks for the question, Ryan. Yeah. So my life path really took me into this path. Um, For a long time, I thought I was going to be a professional football player. I actually got my chance, but uh, that didn't work out because of some injuries. And, you know, I grew up in a very toxic masculine household. Um, Just to give the readers a little bit of a warning, I am going to bring up some pretty heavy subjects in this talk um, because this is what led me to become who I am. So about eight years ago, I'm going to go ahead and jump right into something really heavy just to kind of let you all know what really broke me and really changed the trajectory of my life. Um, But about eight years ago, I called CPS on my dad because I believe he sexually molested my niece. I believe it started when she was around two and a half years old. She was nine at the time that I saw something and she covered it up right away. And I also believe that it happened to my sister growing up. And I believe that my sister has, in some ways, covered for my dad molesting her daughter. 
So I was incredibly depressed. I grew up looking up to my dad. You know, we didn't always get along. He's a, he was a pretty controlling guy, but you know, he's the one that helped me become the football player. I became, I was taught from an early age that violence wasn't just a good thing, but it was encouraged. And that, um, also along with the violence is racism as well, you know, growing up in Texas and, um, it really put me on this path of really not respecting women very much. You know, my dad didn't ever respect my mom very much. And I was a mama's boy. So I was the youngest of three. So I was very lucky to take this soft side of myself. And I've always had that, but I had this other side where, Hey, I need to prove that I'm a man. And the way that we learned growing up, at least, you know, as a Southern boy, the way that I can prove that I'm a man is, Hey, I don't back down from any fights. You know, I need to prove that I'm physically tough, that I'm not scared. Um, and then I need to prove my dominance over women. You know, I need to try to attract any women as I can. You know, I want to lose my virginity before any of my friends. Like, I don't want to, the last thing I wanted to do was be the last of my friends to lose his virginity. And that ultimately caused me to do something, you know, really terrible, um, when I was 16. And so after I went through the, the uh, process of my dad and that sent me down a road of depression, um, and I ultimately came to the conclusion that we have to have the dark to have the light. So if my dad wasn't who he is, I wouldn't be sitting here talking with y'all today. And my book is already helping a lot of people. Um, not only is it helping men, but it's also helping women gain more compassion for the masculine experience and just have a better understanding of what that experience is like. Um, but the first thing that I really had to be vulnerable about, and the subtitle of my book is Vulnerability Equals Powerability. The first time I wrote those words was when I decided that, hey, it's time for me to let go of this shame and guilt that I've had ever since I was 16. And me and my girlfriend had been together for over a year. We'd been talking about sex, but she wasn't ready. Um, she grew up Church of Christ, which is an incredibly strict form of Christianity. I grew up Christian as well, but not, you know, as Baptist and wasn't quite that strict. But um and one day we were, you know, in the bedroom and she told me to stop a couple of times and I tried to convince her and then I took her silence as consent and it happened very quickly. But as soon as, you know, it, I finished, she, I saw that she was crying and I felt absolutely terrible. You know, I mean, what did I just do? I mean, this is the person that I thought that I loved and this was something I thought that I was incapable of doing. Um, later that night, you know, we had consensual sex to make it all better. That was the only way to, that we could figure out to make the situation better. Cause I didn't want to feel like a rapist. And, you know, see, she said she could have stopped me, but it's still, it, it, it wasn't right. And, um, that shame and guilt, uh, without getting into too much detail, actually years down the road led me to the truth of my dad, um, and when that truth happened and everything, you know, my entire life felt like a lie and I started searching for answers and, um, 
you know, I, I, to give the listeners a little bit of ease, I do believe I'm one of the happiest people alive. I believe that I've been that way for quite some time. And I give a lot of that reason to my ability to be vulnerable. You know, we all have things that we have shame or guilt about. We've all hurt someone at some point or time. It doesn't mean that you need to write a book and tell the entire world about the things that you've done. But if you can find someone that you trust, either a friend, a loved one, that you believe that, all right, I believe I can tell this person something really heavy and, you know, they're not going to hate me. And you'd be surprised at the reaction that you'll get when you actually sit down with someone that, and tell them, hey, I just need to get this off my chest. I need to talk about this because I have felt bad about this for a long time. And what typically happens is when you are that vulnerable and you open up to someone about something, it gives them permission to open up to you about some things that they may have shame or guilt about. I've had friends that I've known, you know, for years and years and years now that I've written my book and they've, I've come open about a lot of things. They've opened up to me about things that I would have never known prior. So it can be very scary at first. I definitely recommend, you know, you might want to take baby steps um, and just kind of test the waters to help you feel a little bit more comfortable embracing extreme vulnerability. But in my book, I write about things that no one would ever know unless I shared it. Um, My girlfriend from high school, she never told anyone about that. She had some shame and guilt around that. So I knew that, you know, it's not like I was worried that this truth was going to come out somehow. And then there's other instances, um, that if I didn't write about it, literally no one on earth would know. Uh, So these deep things that, you know, we think that, oh my God, no one would ever understand this. People are going to think I'm weird. People are going to think I'm a pervert or whatever it might be. We're a lot more like than we think. You know, start to take off the mask and let ourselves be seen. And I believe that that's the way that we can truly build a better future generation. You know, I'm not too sure about y'all, but my parents, the way that they uh, viewed the world is that, all right, I need to show my kids that I'm perfect. I need to not tell them about the mistakes that I made. I just need to tell them how good I am. And that's the way that they'll become perfect children is that they see my example of being perfect when it's the exact opposite. You know, none of us are perfect. The more open we are about the difficult things, the more our kids can actually learn from our mistakes. And I'm not a father yet, but uh, I do plan on it one day. So um, I will, you know, my my book is definitely written for adults, but um, many women have said that it's helped them have conversations with their teenage boys um, just to gain better insight into what, the kind of things that we're going through as a masculine being growing up in the United States. And I say the United States because it, you know, everywhere is a little bit different, but we're all a lot alike, no matter where we are. Thank you so much for sharing and for 
bravely sharing some really difficult things that have happened in your life. Um, no surprise, Ryan and I are therapists. Vulnerability is huge for us. And um, I'm just going to briefly speak um, for my experience. But um, even though we're not men, we are surrounded by men. We've also, you know, dated for years and have experienced being around toxic masculinity and how to navigate that. So um, the fact that your book is available for um, men, but also, like you said, for mothers, for teenage boys, like that's huge because we need to break that cycle somehow. And we break the cycle by leaning into vulnerability and allowing yourself to um, recognize that you don't have to be perfect. And because you were able to do that, um, you know, it's changed the course of your life is what it sounds like recognizing, um, you know, past challenges and and things that you know you didn't want to continue those patterns definitely my life is my life and my book are living proof of the power of vulnerability um i'm sure that you guys are are you ladies i'm sorry that i use guys sometimes i know that we're trying to break that habit but um i'm sure that y'all are familiar with Brene brown um uh, I read her book, Daring Greatly, um, many years ago, and it was before I went through my deep depression with my family. So that gave me the, the intellectual understanding of vulnerability, but it wasn't until I, my life was totally broken and I kind of woke up to what I believe is our reality is that, you know, my family is so much bigger than just my a little nucleus of a family. I believe that I'm looking at two of my family members right now. I see the entire world as my family. So whatever I can do to unmask myself and just lay it all out to truly help other people feel a little more comfortable, then that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, you, you mentioned about, you know, not being perfect. Um, a quote that's at the end of my book what's well, one of my quotes i actually tweeted it a long time ago but it's i'm far from perfect and i'm perfectly fine with that and that's a very powerful place to be you know knowing that we all are confused sometimes we're nobody has it figured out you know you see celebrities you see now, I live in Hawaii. I'm very, very blessed. Um, I live right down the street from Waikiki, and I have just dubbed myself the poet of Waikiki. I walk around with a sign that says free poetry, and uh, people interact with me, and I tell them my story. I, I recite poetry, and I sign books for them. Um, but I wouldn't be in this amazing place and you know when you're here you see all these people they obviously have some sort of abundance to at least be able to afford to come to Hawaii it's a lot of tourists and from the outside looking in we a lot of times see people and like man they they've got it figured out you know they have a beautiful family they're wealthy their life must be so easy and that's just not the truth you know don't one of the, something I really am a big believer in is don't ever wish that you were in someone else's shoes. And that's a, you know, a lot of people that grew up with me, 
and went to high school with me. You know, I was a tall, good-looking guy. I had a pretty girlfriend. I was really good at sports. I, w- I made really good grades. And I'm sure from the outside looking in, it's like people would envy, you know, or like wish they were in my shoes. And many people have reached out to me since reading my book. And they were like, man, I, I had no idea all the struggles and the things that you were going through. So no matter what it looks like, it's not as, as perfect as it, it may seem. And even with celebrities and all, even the people that write books like myself that, uh, and I do believe I'm one of the happiest people alive, but that is because I am not because bad things don't happen, not because I don't feel stress it's because of the lens that I decide to put around everything. It's, it's the stories that I put behind everything, every struggle, every bad thing that happens. I'm constantly reminding myself that this is making me a better person. This is building more empathy, whatever the struggle may be, no matter how difficult it is. And it may take 10 to 15 years sometimes before you actually can understand why something bad may have happened in your life. Um, I, when my first was book first came out, it was just this last September. I was selling my books at a, a farmer's market and I recited a poem with this one and I'll recite the poem later on, but it's titled broken. And she started to cry, which, you know, I would say on average, at least one, person per day cries when I write this when I recite this poem and she told me she was like well tell me how you know my son just died he was 32 years old how can I find gratitude for that like where is that going to come from and the last thing that you want to do in that situation in my opinion is try to tell them hey you're gonna you're gonna be okay you're gonna everything's gonna be fine you're gonna be thankful for this later on when someone comes to you with that heavy of a story, all they are looking for is compassion. You know, she just wanted to be heard. She just wanted to hug and just be listened to and not seeking advice. Um, of course, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe in five or 10 years, one of her friends loses a daughter or a son. And then now she'll be more empathetic and, be able to console that person when that time comes. So I'm a big believer that the worst things that happen in life, you know, in my case, my dad being who I believe he is, you know, that, that really was a tough pill to swallow. You know, I, everything felt like a lie. And, um, you know, without a doubt, the way I view the world is that, that has made me a better person and my book is helping a lot of people. This is the very beginning. I believe that it's going to continue to help more and more people, but I wouldn't have this story and I wouldn't have this poetry if I wouldn't have gone through that segment of my life. Earlier when you were talking about vulnerability and the way that it really helped you kind of have more self-discovery and connect more to yourself and other people. It made me really think about the different men that I've had conversations with 
and how that is such a barrier for them in their own relationships, whether it's romantic or friendships or family relationships and toxic masculinity says that it's, it's dumb and lame and weird for you to open up and tell your guy friends or your male family friends, like what's going on in your life. And I think how many issues, challenges come from that stigma of men are not allowed to be emotional and vulnerable. What are some of the ways that you think our country society can start to challenge that narrative around vulnerability and emotionality between men so that we start to see some of that pain being lifted? Because it's a lot to carry for humans, any human, male or female, to feel like they can't be emotional and vulnerable with the people that they're supposed to care and are supposed to care about them. Definitely, Ryan. And uh, I appreciate that that view because it's very difficult. We're taught from young ages that, hey, boys don't cry. You know, we are there to provide. And, you know, I hit on the two things that, hey, I need to be tough. I need to prove my dominance over women. And the third one is usually the way I prove that I'm a man is I make a lot of money and I show that I can do that. And, there, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, providing and making the income. But if your mental health and your emotional health aren't tended to, when we shove these things down, it tends to come out in really negative ways over time. And it comes out in outbursts. And that's why you see, you know, suicides. And there's a lot of pressure put on the masculine in some ways. And I know that the stigmas of the male being the provider and things of that sort have been tried to be broken a little bit, you know, over the last 10 years or so. But it's still something that is innately within us, you know, for thousands of years, we had to be the protectors, you know, we had to make sure that, you know, tribes aren't going to come and, you know, tear down our village and rape our women. So there's these things that we have to realize that, hey, we're in a much different time. Humanity has elevated to a, to a place that if we're going to continue to evolve, the only way that we can do that is to really start to uncover what not being vulnerable actually does to us. Because when we're not vulnerable, it comes out in all sorts of negative ways and it's felt within our entire lives and our communities. Um, I hope I answered some of that question. And if you want to ask it maybe a little, little bit differently, I might be able to give a little bit more in that. Yeah, sure. Um, I think, you know, some ways that you have found you're able to connect with the other men in your life that may be more hesitant to sit down and say, like, I'm having a hard time or what's going on in their life more than just kind of surface level. If that's something that you've, you know, been able to tackle in your own life with some of the people in yours. Sure. So the way that it happened in my life was a pretty interesting way. Um, Again, I grew up super meathead. You know, I was the tough guy. If somebody was 
getting in a fight, they were going to call Nick because I was going to be the first one there. I was never going to back down. I was never afraid of anything. And of course there was an inner child within me that was always a little afraid, but I was more afraid of not showing that I was scared. Um, but one of the first things that my friends started saying, what's wrong with Nick is uh, I started doing self-love videos. You know, I started going into the mirror and posting every single day, pressing record. And I would do it like a girl, like a feminine gay guy, like just having fun with myself in the mirror. And really, I believe the first way to really start embracing vulnerability is not taking yourself so seriously. The more serious you take yourself, the more serious you're going to take everyone around you. So I believe the best way to teach is to set an example. And that's ultimately what I've done with my book is I'm trying to just set an example for men that, hey, you look at me, I'm still, you know, an in-shape guy. I'm very masculine, but I have a very, I have a lot of feminine within me too. And I believe that the embracing more of my feminine side has been the way I've embraced more creativity. Um, we all have both of these traits or whatever you want to call it within us. The more open we can be to embracing both sides, the more of our full selves, I believe that we're going to be able to give to the world. You know, the more balance we have, um, so example, me just setting an example is the best way that I've been able to prove to my friends. Cause when I first started doing the self-love videos, when I first started, you know, putting a lot of this kind of, these kind of things, my friends thought, okay, Nick has lost his mind. He must be on drugs or whatever that may be. And I will say that, um, a turning point in my life. And I'm not too sure. I know that this has been more prevalent in, you know, there's lots of therapies that involve some of these things, especially with PTSD and trauma therapy, but uh, psychedelics was something that really opened me up um, and really just helped realize that, Hey, it's all okay. This life that we're living is so minuscule in the big picture. You know, this thing's going to be over in a blip. You know, we are literally a blip in time. So realizing that, hey, it's all okay. I don't need to impress anyone. We all are just wanting love. That is ultimately what all of us really want. We all just want to be loved. And we've been taught that the way that I gain love, the way that I gain respect from my peers, especially within the masculine, is I need to put on these masks. I need to be tough. I need to prove that I don't respect women or I, you know, I'm a whatever it may be. And we're taught that those masks are how we're going to gain love. And we think that we need to put on these per certain personas in order to get love. And when the truth is, is the human that's hiding underneath all the masks, that hurt child, that, that misunderstood child is the most lovable one of all. So the more that we can uncover that and just 
you know, if we're in a loving relationship, like if we're in an intimate relationship, usually that person is the only one that we allow ourselves to be really goofy around, you know, to like put, use our kid voice and, you know, all these like little things that we might have done when we were children. And that person loves us and we have fun with them, but we think, okay, I, nobody else would understand that. Nobody else would be okay with me being that goofy and silly and fun. I'm an adult now. I can't be doing those things. It's, it's a really sad thing that in society that we have, and it, you know, the social media that it's a double-edged sword, you know, there's positive and negatives to every single advancement in technology and social media unfortunately, you know, brings a lot of comparison up. Um, the more we compare is the more we're judging ourselves. So I'm a big believer in, you know, we all want to do something good. And if we're trying to be like somebody else, we're actually holding ourselves back from expressing the, the beautiful human, the unique gem that's within all of us because there is something uniquely beautiful within each and one and every one of us that's unique. You know, we're all different. And the more we can show that difference, the more we're actually embracing more of our infinite power that we all hold is the way that I see it. Um, so comparing can be a really difficult thing. Um, but yeah, let that inner child be seen, take off those masks and, know that it's okay nobody's perfect everybody has something that they're hiding and we all have a goofy side to us we've all been children and whether we've covered that up because of what we've been told you know our parents and the our first 18 years or however long we're in our household has such a big impact on how we view the world and the more we can deconstruct that and really start to zoom out and try to see things from a higher perspective, the more we're going to be able to actually grow into our, you know, beauty that we all have. That That's beautiful. I mean, everything that you've said is like, it resonates with me a lot because the type of therapy I do is strengths-based. So I'm very heavy on like pleasure and fun activities fostering your inner child like laser tag because like I'm still a big kid at heart so I'm always like laser tag and mini golf and running around at the park and having fun right um but so much of you said of what you said resonated with me and it's one of the hardest things about um being in the mental health profession in my mind is kind of outlying all these amazing uh, possibilities and opportunities for people to change but there's that middle part of them getting there, right? So it's like, you know, you've shared how you went from your story, working through your story to this side where, you know, now you're a poet, an author, you know, these self-love videos. But, you know, I think I'm always still stuck on that middle part of, and you might've mentioned this already, but, you know, maybe that man who wants to be vulnerable, but was raised similarly to you 
and avoids that because of uh, stigma or the possibility of family, even as an adult, you know, making fun of, not supporting. Um, so I don't know if you have any extra guidance for, you know, men specifically who are in that, like, I want to do all the things you're saying, Nick, but like, like, what do I do? How do I do it? Um, and therapy is good because it helps you process, but we can't make you do it. We help you process and find awareness as to why you're holding back, but we don't have that power, which is the worst part of, you know, my job, honestly. So I'm just speaking for myself, but when I see clients right there, I'm like, just do it. You're right there. You're right there. And then they tell me they didn't. A part of me, you know, kind of, I, I, I don't want to say dies, but I don't have another word, but a part of me dies where I'm like, oh man so close right but the hope is that they then try again and get there and then you're like yes this is so great yeah so anyway sure. i don't know if you have any guidance for men who are in that like limbo period sure that's a great question um the biggest thing that comes to my mind is the fear of other people's opinions you know, like we're so afraid of what other people are going to think of us there is a quote um, from, actually, it's an unknown quote, but it's um, when you truly stop caring about the opinions of others, you reach a dangerously new level of freedom. So what's holding men back the most is the opinions of our friends. You know, when I first wrote the first draft of my book, one of my good friends slash ex-coworkers, I shared, you know, I emailed the to him. He asked me to go to lunch. He was like, dude, you cannot tell anybody this. You cannot do this. And now I'm, you know, living proof that, yeah, you can. I can tell people that um, the worst things that I've done and it's going to be okay. Now, the opinions of others is one of the biggest things that holds us back. And ultimately I believe the, the opinion that's the toughest to get to let go of is our parents. So most of us have a relationship with our parents. Now I, I'm going to say that I'm lucky. Um, but you know, as you know, it's my story, you know, it's a very tragic story, but I feel that I was very lucky that, I was able to let go of that opinion very easily because, you know, my mom's still with my dad, you know, my brother refuses to believe it. And so I, I was left in a space that, um, like I, once I stopped caring about the opinions of my parents, it didn't matter what anybody thought. I was like, screw the world. doesn't matter, whatever. And it was an incredibly freeing thing. Um, the advice that I have for men in that area is begin to take baby steps. Just try to slowly but surely start work your way towards opening up to something big and start challenging yourself. Um, concepts are great, but actually putting your feet on the ground and actually doing things is the only way that we actually learn. And you'll be surprised that, all right, I tried this and wow, I actually got better feedback than I thought. And actually they thought that was kind of cool and whatever it may be, you know, even, 
you know, it's even think about small examples because I went to such an extreme so quickly. But if you're worried about what your friends think, if you're worried about what your parents think, you are holding yourself back from true happiness. Um, there's a quote that I really like. Uh, well, first, just the story of Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey is one of my favorite actors, but he, this was at the very beginning of his career. And he was, you know, he was the host of a comedy club and he used to come out there and he'd be like, Hey, how's everybody doing? And he would wait for them to respond. And then one day I think he was like having a bad day and he just walked out there and he was like, Hey, how's it going? Alrighty then. Just said, alrighty then. Like before anybody could say anything and the crowd erupted and they all thought it was great. They respected him so much more and they thought he was so much funnier because they saw that he didn't care what they thought. So the less we care about what people think, people are going to love us more. It's, it's a, and it's an anomaly. Like we think that I need to try for people to like me. We think that we need to put on these masks. We think we need to do these certain things. We need to be a certain way. When the truth is when you stop caring, when you really just like, all right, I'm going to try this out for a week. I heard this guy, Nick talking. He mentioned how he, you know, in so many words, you know, raped his girlfriend when he was 16. He, you know, and there, there's some also very embarrassing stories in my book as well. Um, but he is proving that, you know, and he's trying to get me to open up and, and really start embracing more vulnerability and really start taking off mask. Well, try it for a week. Try to do whatever you can. Just like, I'm going to, for a week, not care what anyone thinks. Now, if you're doing that without compassion for yourself and actually giving yourself self-love, you, know, you might come across as an asshole. So make sure that you're doing it with the right intent that like, all right, I'm just trying to become a better person. And the way that Nick, Ryan, and Lauren are telling me to be a better person is to not care what other people think. Because a lot of times we think, well, the way that I be a good person is I have to, you know, make sure that everybody likes me. The more we're trying to get people to like us, the less people will actually like us. It's an anomaly. It, it, it's a paradox. Um, the I have a, so much love in my life, and it continues to grow. And it's because I truly am have taken off a mask and be like, all right, you know, we're all <laughs> just trying to figure it out, man. Nobody has it figured out. If they tell you that they do, they don't. And I'm not saying that there's not some you know, masters out there that have some, some things figured out. I believe I do have some things figured out, but I don't have it all figured out. We're all in this together. We're all just walking each other home. The more you can embrace extreme vulnerability, the less you care about what your friends think, the less you care about what your parents think. And I heard something the other day, um, and it's that if you say, you know, you wouldn't act a certain way in front of your parents, but you would act a certain way in front of people your parents' age, that you're actually still viewing your parents as, you know, gods in a sense, you know, or 
some sort of like elevated that, Hey, I can't show them this. I can't act this way. You know, if you're an adult, you know, if you're in the twenties, thirties, forties, whatever, and you're still treating your parents as not equals, if you're concerned about their opinion, then that's holding you back in a lot of different ways. Um, so really challenge yourself, challenge yourself on, you know, as a man, we are trying to prove how brave we are. True bravery is taking off the mask and being incredibly vulnerable. It's not standing up in a fight or hitting a guy or punching it, whatever that is, or showing that you got money or sleeping with other girls, whatever it is. That's not being a man. If you really want to show how strong you are, which that's important to men. Men want to feel strong. They want to feel powerful. Power comes from taking it all off and really saying, hey, this is who I am and I don't care what anybody thinks. You know, that's true power. So hopefully that answers some of that question. Yeah, thank you. That was super valuable. I feel like both for us and, you know, for our listeners that are trying to take get takeaways from this on how to how to move forward with these steps because being vulnerable is very very difficult it takes a lot of trust and um, putting yourself out there Um, for those that are listening that want to try to take steps to support men in their lives that are on this journey to more self-love and vulnerability you know what are some ways that you think would be helpful for other people um, to support men in this journey of breaking down toxic masculinity and building more vulnerability in their lives? So, and this is on the, my truth is that my best way, my best answer for that is for them to read my book. Um, I've had so many men reach out to me and women and telling me that, Hey, this, this book actually helped me have conversations. It helped me feel more comfortable with things that I've done. I even had a, a guy, you know, he's late twenties. He started reading my book and he couldn't set it down. His girlfriend saw it. She's like, what's this book about? She ended up finishing it before he did. And then she opened up to him about, because of the way I lost my virginity, she opened up to him about something that very similar that she went through. And it opened up a conversation within their relationship. So now they have, and they've been together for like four or five years and he, he had no idea about this story. So yes, there are, you know, there, there are lots of uh, educational. So like Brene Brown, Daring Greatly, that's more the academic side. She is, I'm putting all of her work into the real world, writing down my story without hiding anything. And I'm living proof that you can tell all your deepest, darkest secrets and it's okay. We've all got them. Let it go. Um, So my best advice and of course, and I would be saying this even if I had, you know, total financial freedom I want people to buy my book, not because it benefits me, but of course it does benefit me. I want them because I truly know that it will help in some form or way. There's going to be a story at the in my book, and it's not just my story. I forgot to mention that. 
at the end of each chapter, there are multiple reflection questions. So I'll tell part of my story and then I'm going to ask the reader to reflect on their own life. I'm a big believer in self-reflection. The only way that we can truly heal is to really look at the things that are tough to look at. So start journaling, find somebody to talk to, open up. But if you're on this path and you want to actually get a story, and if you're not a reader, I'm on Audible. If you want to listen to me read to you for eight and a half hours, you can do that as well. And it's me reading. Um, the first two people that downloaded it listened to the entire eight and a half hours in the first day. So that was a nice confirmation. But my best advice for anybody that's really trying to challenge themselves with vulnerability and really try to open themselves up is read my story. Because I, in many ways, was the manly man. You know, I was the guy in many different aspects of my life. And I'm proof that, hey, you can let all that stuff go. And I feel incredibly powerful. I feel incredibly confident. I have so much love in my life. Like all the things that we want, all we really want is just to be loved. That's what it comes down to. And the way we do that is by breaking down these barriers and opening ourselves up. Exactly. And personally, memoirs are my favorite kind of books. I love autobiographies. So, you know, for all of our listeners, if you can relate or not even relate, but you relate to the conversation that we've had today, you know, you can check out Nick's book. Um, we'll put it in the show notes. But do you have any final takeaways for us? I mean, you've, you've, this episode has been extremely powerful and interesting to listen to. Um, I, you know, the hardest part about recording is when you're, you're live recording and you're, you know, you get so deep in involved in the guest who's speaking and their story that you almost forget that you're like actually still recording. Cause so much of what you're talking about, I was like, oh, wow, like I really resonate to this. Um, so I don't know if you have any other final takeaways, but this whole episode has been um, really informative and hopefully our, our listeners feel the same way. Sure. I think it'd be great to maybe end with a poem just to give the listeners a little bit of an idea sure. of, of my poetry. And this is uh, actually how I start off my book. So this is right before chapter one. Lay down your armor and pick up your heart. Your dreams are waiting as you painfully fall apart. And when the last piece falls and your heart is wide open, you'll understand it all and give thanks for being broken. Thank y'all for listening. So lay down your armor, guys, and and ladies, lay it all down. Be vulnerable. Step into that. If you really want to step into your power, if you really want to be loved, got to take off the masks. Thank you, Nick. That was a wonderful poem. Really liked that a lot. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Ryan. Um, 
where can our listeners find you either social media we'll link your book so they'll have a direct link to be able to access your book um and any other anything else you'd like to share of how they can connect with you um on instagram if you search my full name nicholas jordan moore that is my poetry account um or if you'd like my personal account where you're going to get more self-love videos it is poet of waikiki so at poet of waikiki um you can also check out my website nicholasjordanmore.com but um on amazon the link that'll be at the bottom of this uh podcast that's where you'll find my book and there's also that'll take you to my audible if you'd like to click on it there it's on kindle you know whatever way is best for you to receive that story and information then um but yeah Thank you so much. This episode Thank you. was beautiful and inspiring, and we really appreciate you uh, sharing everything with us today. Thank you all so much for having me. I yeah. really enjoyed it. Have a wonderful day in Hawaii. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And if you feel called to, rate and review and share with the people in your life you think would like us too. For more info on this episode, check out the show notes. And as always, you can find us on Instagram at DopeSHTTherapyPod and via email at DopeSHTTherapyPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and check back soon for more episodes.